The reality, Chad, is that ABM is a strategy, not a tactic. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about why the concept of human-to-human or H-to-H continues to grow in importance in sales and marketing. We're going to talk about ways that you can ensure you're building relationships and avoiding one-night stands with your prospects and customers, and why flipping the funnel is so critical to success. To help to help us today, we have with us Sankrim Vajray, co-founder and chief evangelist, determinist, host of the daily podcast, and yes, I did say daily, Flip My Funnel, and author of Account-Based Marketing for Dummies. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Chad, thank you so much. That's a great intro. (laughs) All right. So before we jump into topic of the show, help us understand a little bit more about Terminus, where the company came from, and why would you want to enter the crowded MarTech space? Well, the good news is that we did not enter the crowded space. We actually created the crowded space. So, <laughs> so if, you, if you begin with like, you know, 2015, when, uh, when we started the company, you know, ABM was nowhere talked about it. There wasn't even Google ranking on that, that phrase. And that's why I wrote the book, Account-Based Marketing, which is the very first book on Account-Based Marketing in 2016, because that, uh, to me, it was really important to get this message out there that this is the new way. And you can imagine like 2016, writing a book on a topic that didn't exist uh, was a big gamble in itself. So I would say we, I would venture to say that we probably are responsible somewhat for creating a crowded market uh, on, on this on this crazy topic of account-based marketing, which seems to be uh, the norm right now. Well, I mean, it's it's growing so much in awareness, right? So it's like anytime. You know, and you've seen this before, right? Anytime there's a new market, you have to do a lot of education up front. And then when the market gets older, you have to do a little bit of re-education yeah. <laughs> because everybody seems to think they know what it is without having spent the time in the in the barrel, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think what's what's interesting is, you know, three years ago, 2016-ish, when we were we launched the book, we launched the company Terminus, and we, are, we, we believe we're one of the fastest growing companies when it comes to ABM with over 600 customers doing purely account-based marketing. So, so from that ratio perspective, we feel like we're ahead of it. But we did hit, in the last couple of quarters, this incredible flux where people are like, yes, we want to do ABM, but we don't know where to start, and we don't know what to do, and we don't know, like you know that's kind of like yes, you know, like yes for what? Like so, so it's been a really interesting time where you're absolutely right. It has become crowded. There's a lot more people. Everybody slapping ABM on top of their whatever existing feature are. And the reality, Chad, is that ABM is a strategy, not a tactic. And I think that's why there are so many people who could say they're doing snippets of ABM, and they they won't be wrong. It, yeah, it's definitely not, it's not rocket science, but it's not super simple. Like you have to approach it the right way. You have to approach it, you know, in a, in a macro and micro way. Part of that micro element is the H to H that we talk about, right? So human to human. I'm curious. I mean, this is a big topic for me because I believe in, you know, sales. If you can't connect with a human being, you're not going to buy from them because you're not going to have trust. But help me understand from your perspective, why H to H is so important in, in account-based marketing. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, 
uh, you know, when we start selling to robots, I think we can have it <laughs> until we're in business or we're selling to humans, especially if you're in B2B and it's a complex buying cycle. There are multiple people in the decision-making process. The sales cycle is six, eight, nine months. If you are facing with all of these things, the reality is that you're selling to humans, which is why it is so much, and you're probably selling it for a much bigger price. With all that in con- uh, you know, context, human to human is the only way I consider thinking about these things because it's no longer than end of, well, you do you have better features than your competitors. It's more of like, who do they trust more? Who do they feel like they have a backing? Who do they feel like they can resonate and call up the phone when there's an issue? Because you're really selling in the early stage as a, you know, oh yeah, we can solve all the problems, but everybody knows when they actually find the solution, when they buy it, the customer service, the customer success, there could be problems and the salesperson is gone and moving on. So people don't want to be in that issue. So I feel human to human is not just a selling process or a selling tactic, it's actually the entire experience of your brand that a customer or future customer experiences. Well, and I, I agree 100%. I think that's spot on, right? It's not just about how I'm selling to you. It's about how I'm maintaining that relationship with you, which is where the marketing comes in or how I'm capturing your attention to say, hey, you know what? It's worth having a relationship with us and we'll take care of you as we do this, right? It's a, it's a concept I hear a lot of people talk about and most people I know struggle with it. So I'm curious if in your experience with, your, you know, as you guys have grown, what success have you seen some of your customers have by putting that H2H interaction at the heart of what they do? Oh man, like I'll share, like, you know, I think they'd be okay. We, have, we literally had, we had a stop by, uh, by a customer of ours literally an hour ago, Snowflake, and Daniel Day, who runs director, he's the director of ABM. He is, he has 15 people on his team and they're a huge user of Terminus, probably one of the most sophisticated ABM practitioners. And they're like, look, we're going to do one-to-one campaign of to five, 600 companies, one-to-one, think about that. A one-to-one email, one-to-one ad, one-to-one direct mail, all that being set for one-to-one campaigns. And not only that, they are gonna go and do retargeting, which is supposed to be done to anybody who comes to a website, they're gonna do retargeting one-to-one, which to me was mind-blowing. So they're running about five, 600 campaigns, they're gonna run 1,000 campaigns, one-to-one thousand campaigns, because they know that each one of those companies are unique, their needs are unique, their industry might be unique, their stages might be very unique. So they want to make sure that they are not trying to put the same message to everyone. They recognize the value in it. And when they close deals, they are closing deals faster, a lot more because they're giving this one-to-one unique human experience that they're just not getting anywhere else. Well, and that's the beauty of the technology, right? It allows us, I mean, not only do we have, you know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when when what we knew was, oh, they're about this age and they live kind of in this area and maybe they do one or two things. But now with all the data that we have, that personalization element has gone from a new thing to everybody expects it. You have to be able to provide that. So being able to operate like that is a great use case for, for this type of approach. Is that how, you know, we talked as we were prepping, how do you not have a I loved your phrase one night stand with your customer I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit before my dirty mind runs the wrong way oh I know and that's why I get called <laughs> on that particular topic uh, without even knowing people are like yeah we just want to talk about this and so it's, it's obviously a uh, you know something that people would like well wait a minute what is what does he really mean uh, at it and it almost is accusing me including right me as a marketer as a one night stand market which means we 
we really want our future customers to just jump in the bed with us, right? On the very first day, we want them to, as soon as we pick up the phone and, and call, we want them to set up an appointment. Whenever they set up an appointment, we want them to close the deal. When we close the deal, we want them to pay and then just be happy. But regardless what's going on behind the scenes, you're not making them fully aware of it. So I feel like we're treating them. And if you notice, in this whole conversation, I never said the word prospect. And the reason is because I believe if you are truly doing ABM and if you truly are not treating your future customers as uh, one night stand, which means you don't care how many come in and go, then you will be calling them future customers because you will not be wasting time on companies and people that are not going to be the best fit accounts for you, best fit customers for you. So this is the big aha moment that I had in like 10 years. Uh, and like, you know, before that I was running marketing at Parad, as you know, and going through the acquisition at Salesforce, I realized that we are all playing the volume game. And with the volume, you almost instantly discredit the human level value for somebody because you're playing a numbers game. And instead of that, when you come to ABM, your universe is not infinite. Your universe is actually maybe 200 or 2,000 companies that you can possibly sell that year. So if that is all you can sell to, you will not treat them as a number. You would treat them as an individual. You create those one-to-one experiences we talked about. And that's why I feel like in order to get us out of that mindset of one night stand marketer, it is for us to recognize this is shot in the arm that man, if, if we are not treating our future customers as customers, even before they become our customers, then we are prospecting. And if you're prospecting, guess what? Nobody likes to be prospected, <laughs> be hunted. Nobody likes to be bailed out of the ocean. So why do we treat and say words like that? It's the power of language, right? It's the power of language to change the way we see the world around us and the way we choose to interact with it. I think it's a very subtle and elegant way of putting it. I love that you're not using the word prospect. If you start to think of them as future customers now, you're already thinking about a long-term relationship. So you're not going to do things that may be potentially viewed as uh, nefarious or, or not above board, right? You're going to have more respect for each of those interactions. I think it's a very, a very powerful, powerful point. So I've got to ask, you host Flip My Funnel, audience members. If you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it. It is a great show. It is on my list of ones I listen to while I'm at the gym, but you're doing it daily. How do you, how do you, and I do this once a week and I find myself occasionally going, how the hell am I going to get all this done? How do you pull it off? Well, I mean, you know, you, you're right. It's a lot of work, but I, I found that uh, for me, I started out this like, Hey, you know, why not? I'm having these conversations every day. So they're not hour long, uh, most of my uh, podcasts. Some of them are 10 minutes, some of them are 15 minutes. It's literally every day is a different day. On Monday, I literally rerun a recorded session from a Flip My Funnel conference that we've done, and we have 200 or 300 of those sessions. <laughs> nice. For me, it's, a, it's like Monday is a freebie, and it just have intro and outro, and those are insanely amazing content. I, I feel like it's one of the best ones. On Tuesday, I interview somebody, and those are like 20, 25 minutes. I keep it super short. And on Wednesday, it's literally me and James, who's one of our producers, talking about what are we learning? You know, what are the growth? What are the stumbling blocks? Like, you know, I talk about concepts like, you know, I feel sometimes like giving up. <laughs> and just keeping it raw and real. And again, 10, 15 minutes. On Thursday, I interview somebody here at Terminus. So I literally have a conversation with my head of product, and we're talking about, like, hey, man, this is a really tough problem. 
to solve, we're like, okay, let's just talk. And we, as we're talking, we're recording it, and he doesn't even know we're recording. We, the whole thing goes up, and it goes on the bot. bot. Like, so it's just <laughs> part of our conversation. It's part of our flow. And then Friday, uh, we just talk about a community leader. So in, in reality, I really do maybe two podcasts a week. Uh, the rest of them are just a collaboration co- conversation that happen anyway. Well, and I think that keeps it more alive for your audience, which, you know, and I love it. I love it. Again, I, I if I had to say, I'd say Monday's the one that I love the most. Uh, yes. Now, granted, I love James. I mean, James helped us get this show off when he was just out here in Denver. I think he shot a video with you too, didn't he? Didn't he come out there and yeah. shoot a video with you? Yeah, he was just out here shooting a video with us. And so uh, James is always entertaining. Love the guy. But I'm curious where the title came from. Help me understand this concept of flipping the funnel. Oh, man. So uh, this was in the very early days of launching Terminus. Uh, I was at a launch. We launched Terminus. And then I was at, at Scott Brinker's conference, uh, the, the first, very first Monday conference in early 20, I think late 2015, maybe early 2016. And I was just at this conference and I saw Jill Raleigh, who most of your listeners probably yep. know, yep. social selling queen, as, as it's been, she's been called. Um, and she was there and I'm like, wait a minute, why is this selling somebody who's in sales on, as a keynote at a market conference? That didn't make sense to me. And then when the more I heard and the more we connected, I'm like, yeah, this, this is pretty cool. It makes sense. Sales and marketing together. And at that time, I was just formulating a way to talk about, cut through the noise, like how are we going to talk about our company, Terminus, who's based in Atlanta, first-time founders, time to build a new category. Like, you know, it's almost like, you know, this, you know, destined to fail. <laughs> So how do we talk about ourselves in a way that that will cut through the noise and and get people to think about it? And so I was on a flight from San Francisco to Atlanta, which is a five-hour long flight, so you have a lot of time to do stuff. And uh, I was sitting in the middle seat, and there was no internet, no Wi-Fi going on, so it was going to be crazy. The two people next to me were drunk, which is a huge motivation for being very creative. So I tried to just collect myself up, and I had a piece of napkin and and a... um, and a pencil or a pen at that time. And, and I just started to draw the original traditional funnel, which is broad at the top, narrow at the bottom. And out of pure curiosity, Chad, I literally flipped it over and said, what if you reimagined this and called it something different? So I called it a ah, flipping funnel, flip my funnel. And then before I knew, I was writing all the stages and I ended up writing a blog that I, as soon as we landed, we reposted it on LinkedIn that went viral, which means two people read it. Uh, <laughs> TV world and it was awesome so and then I bought the domain which was for eight bucks and that just became a way of talking about the problem without talking about the product excellent excellent that is amazing I love it so when we look at ABM for 2019 since we're coming towards the end of 2018 what are the big changes you see out there that people should be aware of what risks should they have their eyes open to and get in front of well the biggest one I feel that people talk about demand problem as if there's unlimited demand unlimited supply of things right and and i feel like it's just the wrong way to look at it i feel moving into 2019 i would love for people to focus more on pipeline and pipeline velocity which means we're trying let's not let's not create a demand problem let's create a pipeline problem um, i was uh, interviewing somebody on the flip off podcast i think you might know andy paul yep. and uh, andy was saying that hey look you know, 10, 15 years ago, when he was running sales at some company, the pipeline to revenue was like 1x or maybe 2x, which means you have to only create 2x pipe, 
right now the standard is 4x or 5x pipe, right? So we have to create so much more pipeline. And he's like, man, that is just crazy. And I've never dawned on me until we talked, like, oh yeah, we're creating five times the pipeline, which means that we are literally saying that one out of five deals will actually convert into an opportunity and potentially close. So instead of just creating this infinite demand, as we all assume there to be, which is not true, why not on pipeline and say how we can convert more, convert faster, convert bigger deals, and I think really focus more of our time and energy on pipeline velocity-oriented campaigns. Excellent. So let's um, let's talk about Terminus a little bit. So founded in 2015, you guys really were kind of early into the ABM space. Came out of Pardot for anybody who didn't catch that, which I use, I have used in the past. I used to be a customer. Thank you. And, it, and so when you look at, you know, there's all the questions about what's it like to start a company and all of the emotional roller coaster about oh, crap, am I gonna be able to pay my bills this month until it takes off? You know, I think everybody's covered that to death. I'm curious when you think about like where you're sitting right now and where Terminus wants to go, what's the biggest challenge, say, between you and your goals at the end of twenty nineteen? The biggest challenge I think for us right now is that there is a lot of noise and getting people, as you said, like it seems crowded. And some people, as, as, as you mentioned, like, you know, might look at us as every other company that's coming out there because everybody's getting louder and louder. And just the way we, we started with this idea of flipping funnel and getting people excited about this new idea, and now there are so many more people on it, we need to reinvent ourselves both from a product platform and brand perspective to re-emerge as, again, uh, more sophisticated leaders of it, given that we have six, 700 customers, knowing, seeing what the stories are going on. So we feel like it's just so much noise and we want to come up there and, and try to be the company that helps simplify some of these things so people can truly understand. And right now, I feel like people are getting super confused. <laughs> and so, and so, what are some of the challenges that you think you're gonna have? You're gonna be focused on over the next, you know, year, year and a half, in order to achieve that goal of simplicity. Yeah, I feel that messaging is such a simple. I mean, things like such a simple thing to do, but it's probably the most complex things to to work through. And I feel like that is our. We have to reiterate ourselves over and over again and figure out what we're doing. So for one one thing, we acquired a company called Bright Funnel in 2016. It was our last year, December 2017. And if you think about it, as a startup company, we went from three co-founders to over 200 people acquiring another company. Like this, there's a lot going on. <laughs> Uh, and just beyond just like where do you pay your bills it's like where you know who all are the people we need to pay to uh, but uh, it, it has been very strategic for us to go and acquire a company that is going to be the best thing for us and their specifically for our customer new strategy with older analytics platforms so we're trying to change that so there's a lot of reframing of the problem that we need to focus on Excellent. Excellent. How do you guys, do you guys have a, a process methodology that you're going to use to, to do some of that stuff? Or is it, you know, I, you know, when a company's growing that fast and you should go from three to 200, that's a big jump. I, you know, there's a lot of challenges there. How do you, how do you prioritize them? How, what advice would you have for other people in a similar situation? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, we're not perfect and we face this problem and criticism internally, which is good uh, because people will literally tell us, Hey, we're not doing this. I, I feel like 
having a great culture, which is again, I think everybody says that, but I'm feeling it and seeing it and hearing it and then noticing it every day. Your culture really is your secret sauce. It's not your product, it's not your service, it's not really even you as a founder anymore as, as the company grows and the market grows. It's really your culture is the secret sauce. The fact that, as I shared, like Daniel just stopped by while he was in town because he wanted to spend some time with us, and it just shows that that's we are easy to work with. We want to do stuff with people, and 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 they want to hang out with us as peers, as people, as opposed to a sales or marketing or a product promoter. Those kind of things don't happen as often as they should. And I feel like figuring out how to be continue to harness our culture, regardless of good or bad times, is going to be the most important challenge and opportunity for us. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Let's change the direction here a little bit. I ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue executive, that makes you a future customer for other, <laughs> other individuals. And so I'm always curious, you know, in this world that we live in today, if somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, if they don't have a referral into you, what do you find to be the most effective way for people to, to capture your attention, get your attention and, and convince you that they're worth 15 minutes of, of your time well so i'll give you a real example of how somebody got got my attention is uh, so as you shared i do a daily podcast and, and there's a lot of different topics that happen so to find me it's not a hard thing to do i post something on linkedin every day as part of our learning that just want to be a transparent book good bad ugly it's all there out in the market so if somebody wants to really reach out to me instead of a cold email they could listen to a podcast which is what wesley weber did and i use his example now in my presentations he listened to my podcast and then he said uh, he did a video recording of it what he liked what he didn't like uh, and then put it on on LinkedIn and tagged me but guess what I watched that video <laughs> then I went to his website then I went to his profile I looked at everything he did and I looked at his company and then you know I spent 15 minutes of my time without him even asking me to do that so so I feel like in this human to human connection in this world where it's important to value everyone's time, I think if people do not only some research, but also take some action, more proactive way to show that they actually care about me and they care about what I put out there, then it's not hard to get attention. Perfect. Okay, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. One thing, if there was one thing you could tell sales and marketing, professional service people, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them crush their targets, what would it be and why? So one thing that we have done and has turned into transformed our company and has turned into our core value is one team. The idea is that Everybody has one number. So what that has done for us, Chad, is marketing does not have anything other than the number that the salespeople have. The salespeople don't have anything other than the revenue number, right? So it's just one number. And what that has done is everybody's rallied up when, when we have a good quarter, everybody's happy. When we have a bad quarter, everybody is not happy, right? So lines, <laughs> everybody for the same pain point, the same success. We're hitting the gong as a team when we have success, not when we close deals. So if you can, if your organization today has a different marketing metric and a goal that are measured on and sales is measured on a different goal, well, you know, that's where, that's the number one thing I would challenge and advise and, and, and recommend to fix and figure out a way to have one goal so that there could be like a clear strategy to get there, one scorecard so people know how to measure success and what a picture of success look like, it changes the game. 
Well, and then you avoid you avoid the silos that happen. Like old, you know, larger companies get to the point where there's all these silos. They spend so much time breaking them down. You solve that problem by not even starting with silos. I love the one team concept, and I hope if anybody's listening, you guys jotted that down. Don't crash your car if you're driving. But that I think is an extremely powerful uh, concept, and I want to thank you very much for for sharing that. I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, Sangam. It's been absolutely great to talk to you. Oh, man, it was fantastic. It was a blast. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. You know the drill. Leave us a review. And until next time, we have Value Selling Associates, which you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.